Hi, I'm Clemmie Telford and it's time to get open and get honest. Each week, I interview a guest about a topic that we, as a society, often shy away from. From sex lives to salaries, life and death, religion and real bodies, no subject is off the table. Welcome to Honestly, the podcast. In this special episode of Honestly, I'm joined by two incredible guests who have been able to turn their lives around with the help of Centrepoint. Brooke Morgan and Kai both found themselves becoming Centrepoint residents after life at home became too difficult. Whilst there, the centre gave them a place to stay, mental support and the building blocks to help plan for their future. And testament to that is the fact that Kai is now a successful comedian, whilst Brooke Morgan is an assistant director. I was so amazed by their strength and resilience, and I hope you are too. So let's start with a quick fire round to get us in the mood. Bear in mind that this podcast is called Honestly. So okay. that is the name of the game. But I don't think either of you would be anything but. So on a scale of one to ten, how fun are you? Ten. <laughs> I, I'm a strong five on an average day. Yeah, if I've eaten and had enough sleep. Yeah, I'd I'm quite six, neutral. Seven. But then on a night out, which is very rare, probably a 16. <laughs> <laughs> from five to a sixteen, and modest as well. <laughs> and you went straight ten. Oh, uh, don't back, no. don't, don't, Liddy in the city. <laughs> I'm living my best life at six, sixteen over here, right? No, I. Uh, it depends. I, I've got a spectrum of different moods. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. If I'm hungry, oh, it's minus yeah, figures. Zero it's fun to be had. Figures, That's spiritual. Yeah, that anger. Yeah. <laughs> Never ever get hungry. On a scale of one to ten, how popular are you? One thousand six hundred followers, <laughs> not that popular. I would, yeah, I would say, I'd say eight. I think, yeah, I'm quite low. I've got close. She's given him a look that you can't see, but you I'd are say, just, okay. I'd say out of ten. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Yeah, don't, it? don't make him question himself. No, I'm like, go, go. I'm rooting for you over here. <laughs> Give us your number, then. Yeah, I'm. I'm popular to the people that matter. Exactly. Yeah. On a 10. <laughs> exactly, exactly. On a scale of 1 to 10, how rebellious are you? I say 12. So rebellious, I don't even stick to the 10, <laughs> the 10 point rule. That's, I'm like, that's how rebellious I am. <laughs> I'm a 4. Okay. So not at all. Not, not at, like, really. Anti rebel. Depends what it is, man. Because I can mm. get up to a strong 16 again. Right. But I mean, it's just. Be okay. Yeah, Depends I need to what be careful. I don't become the angry black woman as well. Uh, that's, 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 honestly, because people look at you like have to be on your best behaviour all the time. Cause yeah, people like, like especially like in the arts and stuff. Yeah. People know my background, and they're like, "Oh, you went from oh, you came from Centrepoint. Oh, you're the yeah. only ethnic minority." So, like, if you ever do anything, they're like, "So it's unconscious bias." Like, yeah. I knew it's like that. I knew it's like I think I think people think I'm way more rebellious than I am. Yeah, but in my head, I'm like lovely little man. <laughs> Very, very sensible and safe. I know. Favourite colour? Wolf grey? Is that a bit granny-like? I've never heard the term wolf grey. That's a good... Colour of my living room. Wolf grey? Mm. Okay. I I was going to say, like... I was going to say red. (laughs) I'm a basic bitch. Red's fun. (laughs) Okay, wolf. Yeah. I'd say, like, a a maroon. Is that dark red? Okay. My vocabulary is not very... Yeah. So, yeah. 
Like um, a dark, yeah, like... Yeah. This room is not far off that, so if you yeah. just looked around and gone, I'll choose that. podcast, but the wall on that side. <laughs> <laughs> that's like <laughs> asking a child, you go, what's your favourite colour? That one. That one. <laughs> yeah. Most prized possession. I honestly don't have anything, like any sort of... I kind of live out of a bag at the moment. I don't have anything that's proper, like... Do you have any nothing. equipment that you... My phone. <laughs> that's yeah, about it. Yeah. Honestly. That's the only thing I'd ever be distraught if I lost that. Which is so... Oh, God. I'm just like such a millennial thing to say. No, I mean, we all know that panic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I really detest public transport, so my car. How would you describe your relationship with money? Oh, my God. I had this conversation recently. Did I've you? got a... I've got a I think I've got a deep relationship with money. I think mm. it's got a big meaning in my life. Like, doing a show and I'm writing this about money. Mm. I was like, when I was younger, every like every problem used to be about money. When I was really, really young, I forgot like a trip from like a le- like a letter from school about a residential trip. I knew my mum couldn't afford. Oh, like yeah. I'd hide that. Like I'd always be. And like now, my my anxiety is based purely on money. <laughs> like oh, it's wow. bad. But like if I'm ever in my over, which I usually am, like my overdraft. My whole state and how I treat people is so different, which is so bad. But I feel like as a kid, that's like what I grew up with. So mm. I was, it's funny. I was having this exact conversation. Yeah, it's really. And I, going, I think your childhood completely shapes your relationship with money. Hundred percent. Um, my mum's always been a good saver. Really? Are you yeah. a good saver? Uh, no. Do you know what? When I have money, like I've just got a new job, yeah. so now I'll be able to like... Yeah, yeah you can't f- save if you haven't got throw it. Throw away, throw away. But like, like when I was little, my mum took us to Orlando and like Canada on benefits. Said, really? Yeah, and she never... That's mad. Yeah, right. and I'm like... Massive respect. I've just recently come off Universal Credit. Don't know why you took two kids, love. Like, She's got I that side hustle. I, right. <laughs> I but yeah, literally, she used to buy and sell costume jewellery and stuff like that. So she's always has a side thing going. But like when she was studying, I vividly remember going on holidays and like it's only like in my later years now she was like, do you know I was on benefits? Like she said to me the other day, do you know I was on benefits sending you to piano lessons? £10 wow. an hour. Like, what? Can't play piano now. I was going to say, what's that's a waste? Yeah. Yeah. But do you know, yeah, oh, yeah I think... I think yeah. money's a mindset is like what you were saying as well. Yeah. Like, but next time there's a piano on the tube station, you're like, hey, yeah, 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 <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I'm like, I honestly, I'm like, if I'm rich, I'll be happy. I don't know, everything's like, everyone's no, like, it's everyone's right like, to say that's it. not true. I'm just like, oh, you know what? I, I need to get rich enough to realize it won't make me happy. But I, even now, I'm like, no, but um, probably will. There's a great book written by a friend of mine called Alex Holder called "Open Up About Money," and she talked to people across a massive spectrum of mm. financial mm. situations. And there is definitely a point where not having to worry about money. Yeah. So it's not actually about being a multi-millionaire. It's about mm. getting to a point where you're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. It's like, of course, that affects your hundred happiness. Do you believe in marriage? Yeah. Uh no not anymore, as in not anymore as in uh, now not like I've changed my view on it but probably no I don't no I mean as in I don't think I'll get married oh why you can still be with someone for a long time not yeah. be married I don't know yeah I like the idea of a wedding <laughs> that's like the but that's party not, that's not worth getting married for <laughs> no you can have it okay do registry office in a nice event after good party yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> no like sit down food cheap cost effective yeah I do a Weatherspoons one they do a real cheap deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bargain. what star sign are you Cancerian but I'm on the cusp of a Leo so yeah you've definitely got more Leo traits I'm a bit you? of an emotional bitch with a bite 
I'm a Taurus. <laughs> but I don't know what that means. What's like the oh, personality traits of that? What is that? I, uh, quite, quite reliable. Really? Oh, that's definitely not. <laughs> that is. No, no, Pick another one. I don't yeah. know enough about Tauruses, but I'm going to look. We'll at, I think yeah. stubborn. I yeah. Think. Yes. I'm definitely uh, stubborn. Yeah. We what are you? I'm a Pisces, which is a nightmare. It just means I'm really emotional. Oh, we'll get along. <laughs> it's a it's a terrible thing. What do you want to be remembered for? Being a catalyst for change. Oh yes. I think for me, I just want to create like a body of work, like you know, TV show, like stuff like that. So like a book, mm. a TV show, and a book. That's like, that I'm really proud of. Like at least like, like something tangible that I can. Get. I reckon though, you you can go bigger than that because I think you might well achieve those in the not too distant future. Yeah, but. I, I, one step at a time. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to happen. Three words your inner critic or imagined worst enemy would use to describe you. <laughs> Such excellent face. You go first. My worst enemy. They're irrelevant anyway, so I can't even think of what they would say. <laughs> Lord. That is. My inner critic. What would I tell myself? Um, Don't be dumb is a phrase that I use. There you go. But that really gets me into shape. So yeah. I don't know how much. Do you want, do you want, yeah, yeah. Don't be dumb. Like, don't, Brooke Morgan, get up. Don't be dumb. Mm. <laughs> Big risk affair. I think I feel like people are like, who does this guy think he is? Really? Like, Imposter syndrome. Oh, wow. I don't think that. <laughs> I think other people think that. <laughs> I think my self esteem has probably got a bit bigger recently as it was when I was younger. Mm. So I think I'm all right. I think I'm pretty good. I yeah. never got that from like where I was from ever. Like, growing up, never, ever got that. But I think now it's like, I think when you appear confident, it's like everyone kind of knows my background. Everyone kind of knows stuff like that. And if you're like the only non-white person in the room and it's sort of like kids who literally went to Eton and stuff and you're like, you know, doing all right, then it's like it's almost highlighting them that they probably had a better education and came for more money and you're doing a bit better. And it's like that thing. Well, yeah, Mm. people think that it's always shining a light on them, isn't it? Yeah, I like to think that was easier said. Than and also that. in all industries, so many everyone's blagging, everyone's fronting. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah everywhere, yeah. At every point that everything you ever do, mm. you know, you get to the next senior bit, and you're like, "All oh, right, yeah." Don't actually know. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. <laughs> and they don't know, and they don't know, and everyone's yeah. just guessing. So that was the quick fire bit, not so quick fire. But now we're going to yeah. get on to the big topic of homelessness. So straight in, tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was it like? I grew up in southwest London, Clapham. Um, growing up was great. I had a great life. Um, like I was saying before, I'm quite well travelled. My mum is a poet and a fashion designer. Is she? So really creative, really cool. Um, I grew up in church, so that was quite cool. Singing and whatever. Um, but yeah, life was great until it wasn't, really. We'll get on to the... Until it wasn't in a second. Yeah. So when I was growing up, I was born, like, born in Birmingham, in Hansworth, and then moved to Coventry. Me, my mum, brother and my dad. And uh, me and my mum and brother left my dad's because they had like an arranged marriage. Um, oh, wow. So couldn't really get a divorce, so he like ran off. So obviously my mum was working like in a corner shop at the time, trying to support two kids. How so little th- were you? Really I was little? like seven. So it, the bit that we're kind of... Dancing round is is the bit that led you to being at centre point. So, what was the tipping point for both of you? Um, I had a bereavement in my family, and it hit my mum really hard because it was her brother. She's one in five, and she was kind of she's the only girl as well, which meant she was kind of like the mummy, and that just took the was wind. He young when he 
well, yeah, 33, relatively, yeah, he's, passed he's away. He's really young. Yeah, yeah. do you know Sitting what I mean? He's seven-year-old <laughs> in the room. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah very yeah. young. And literally, he went into hospital, maybe on like a Sunday, maybe by Wednesday, he was he gone. From something simple, dehydration, you would thought oh, we, would in, we were in a developing country, and it's like, no, oh, he, so was, he just yeah. needed a bit of water and maybe a few a bit of salt, you know? Um, so that was literally crazy. Like our best friend relationship, literally with your flatline. Mom. Yeah. And how old were you at this time? Uh, maybe fourteen. So you know, like that crucial age yeah, where it's a really complicated I need time. to talk to you about like certain stuff yeah. and like. Yeah, you're changing a lot, and I'm changing a lot, and I don't really understand. And you're cool, so I want to be like you. Mm. And she's but grieving. now you flatlined. Mm. Yeah. So it was like she lost her brother and I lost my best friend because, yeah. like, literally her behaviour was like she stopped eating, stopped working, stopped talking. Right. It was horrible. And then obviously you're not educated about mental health. Mm. So everyone listening to And you're a teenager. This, there's no, educate your kids because like, I thought, okay, she's sad. Mm. Three weeks max and then we'll be all right. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't stop. Mm. And that's what broke, like, took the winds out of myself. Yeah. Um, and then I started to mimic her behaviour. I've had like, eat, okay, I've always been a fussy eater, but like my eating problems now, I'm still having like problems with my eating. And like, if I'm not in a good routine, if I'm not happy enough, I just won't. Mm, so just, yeah, because yeah, you learned it. At the, probably 14 is such a crucial, crucial age. age isn't yeah. it, so I started to mimic her behaviour. Sooner or later, I started to detest her, which is horrible because obviously she, she mm. like, nothing you can do, but a mm. bit of a catch 22. And then I moved out, went to go and live with my nan. But I was like so far gone. You know when you're so just folded into yourself Mm. now, like one move and this could all just go. And then obviously she tried to help do the whole church thing. It just wasn't working. So then she kicked me out. And then, but at that time I just went on holiday with my mum and come back. And then um, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to work up and say, yeah, mum, I want to come back. Let's try this again. Then my nan kicked me out. That was like, too quick too soon I didn't get a chance to say what I wanted to say and then within a week that relationship was gone again between my mum and I really? so it was like nope down to the council you're out and that yeah that yeah. Was that. <laughs> I've got lots to say but I want to hear yeah. about your experience yeah so mine was a bit different so what happened was me and my mum me and my mum were really really close I remember like we didn't have much money growing up and stuff I was always like I remember when I was like, literally, this sounds like a lot, this is genuinely like seven, eight. I would just go off on my own accord, like going to this state, knock on people's doors, like washing their cars for fiver just to give Aww. them money to a mum, like buying a microwave and stuff. So I was really like, that was like my role. So not my role, but even yeah. when I was like seven, eight, like doing that, like selling sweets at school, getting money. And then got like a stepdad, he came in and we just like, hated each other. Like he didn't want me in the house. I didn't want him in the house. It was that thing of my mum didn't have my back and I was just like okay and that was like the only person I really care about and I was like cool I'm gone and then um how yeah, old were you when like that 17 16 17 and then I uh got a train to London and uh is this is genuinely true as well I swear this is so I went to got the train from Coventry to to Marlebone yeah. and I just jumped over the barrier because I didn't have enough money for the, the train and like Boris Johnson was there, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> randomly. And I remember, yeah, I mean, nothing happened. Obviously, I was just like, "Oh, you're that guy from How I Got News for You," right? Because he was like, I didn't know he was. A, yeah. even, he was. A, I he obviously must have just been mayor at that time yeah. or something. 
And I don't know where he's gone off to now. <laughs> but yeah, and then there's just sleeping rough for like a while in in So like you literally got on a train and yeah, just so went didn't, and didn't know anyone slept in London. Ru- slip. Yeah. Where did you head to? Oh. I basically used to stay there's a DLR station like Shadwell because it's like outside. You only need to like. You, how well did you know London? I'm nothing. I didn't know anyone like at all. And then that's guts. I mean, but it was like that. I was like. Obviously, thinking back, he clearly, I clearly had like probably like depression and stuff. Yeah. Like I just wasn't really, really unhappy. That's like it was like a long time. It was about three weeks, and then he got to centre point, and I was really lucky because like, so this is like, you know, ten years ago now. Mm. There's universal credit now, whereas before when I was doing it, it was really like they just I signed on and I got yes. like housing benefit and yes. I got a place in, and um, think it was Shadwell and stuff. So it was like I managed to get my rent paid, and I was getting like. 70 quid 80 quid like just to kind of like live on and that was mm. and then i started doing music uh, like center point got me in with the roundhouse and stuff so yeah that's what that's what happens i mean it's pretty like even as you tell it can you not believe it was you yeah i mean it's like you, you've probably got things in your life you're like it seems like a different yeah and especially your teenage life because it's just you just don't know who you are do you yeah and i think what it was was like I'd never told anyone about stuff like this. It gets a bit easier, but you're still like, oh, don't really want to yeah, talk about it. Because like, you were really, really unhappy. It's not nice, is it, revisiting that door? So let's talk about when you arrived at Centrepoint. Do you both remember that that day, that night? Yeah. So I called my little brother and I was like, is mum home? Because obviously she was at work now. Yeah. So when, when I went back to try and live with her she started working again we kind of started to recoup our relationship yeah. she was better and on the up and up and I called her because obviously we'd kind of been like again mm. called my little brother and I was like is mum at home and he was like no I rushed around there packed all my stuff into like I don't know maybe about 15 black bags I had a lot of stuff yeah. <laughs> packed all my stuff into like 15 black bags called a cab and the guy was like no we're not allowed this in the cab it's not a removal van yeah, I was like, I please. I had to. I thought, no, you're gonna kill me now because this is probably the last ten pound I have until I don't know when. Please, the guy was so nice, and in the end, he ended up helping me, which it wasn't even far from my house. I was like, please, I'm only going round the road. I have no one else. And then got there, like unpacked all my stuff. So and you go in, and someone meets you. Yeah, so they greet me because I'd already done an assessment. With your fifteen black bags. With my fifteen black bags, like, ooh, it's quite an image. This is a bag lady. They had already done my assessment, so I already knew which room I was going to. So How I just had they done to, your assessment? Um, so you come in prior, and they say, um, answer you a couple of questions, see if you'd be a right fit, see if this would be a right fit for you. How did you know to even go for that assessment? At my sixth form, there was like, something's wrong with her. Really? They picked it up. Then they allocated me a social worker. She came and done like this whole really intrusive assessment on my nan's house, which they proved there was nothing wrong with it. And it was a me thing. Then they were, they gave me a placement. But during those conversations with the social worker, what were you hoping? Did you know what you were hoping to get out of it? Yeah, I, just, space? I, just, I just said, yeah, I, I just need my own flat now. I need my own flat because I want to live alone and I want everyone to leave me alone. I, like, chronically wanted to be left alone. Like, teachers would be like, you're right, Brooke Morgan. And I'd be like, giving them the devil's eyes. Like, leave me alone. Like, I literally just, like, I just want to be in a box. I don't want to talk to no one. I just want to be left alone. I'm quite in control. So I feel like I'm quite mature for my age. And the fact that I didn't know what was going on was freaking me out. And everyone kept saying, well, what's wrong? Let us help you. you What's wrong? You needed to get some space to... I didn't even know. I kept, I said, my auntie came to me one time and she was all in tears and I was all in tears and she was like, 
Hood, what's wrong? And mm. I was like, I don't know. And when I do know, I'll let everybody else know. But until then, everyone needs to leave me alone. So it was quite embarrassing for me as well. It felt quite humiliating for me to yeah. not know what's going on. Yeah, um, I mean, I think like around that time, it was like people weren't like that articulate about mental no, health. No. Yeah. Like, I think back and I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't have any idea. Like if I no. said to my mum, like I was having a breakdown, she'd probably yeah. think, like, be like, ring the AA. Yeah, it's come a long way in quite a short space of time, really, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. That, th- that national dialogue around mental health. Yeah, and I think it's that thing of like, I think maybe as you grow older, you get the emotional tools to deal with stuff. But yeah, it's like having conversations about it. Like even now, yeah. like sometimes you might feel something and you go, oh, why did I? Why do I feel this? And then you retract it back and it's usually like, I feel scared, I feel insecure. And it's mm. like, I never would have thought that, especially no. like 17 years but old. But having the ability to backtrack is yeah. what is really crucial. Because yeah. even now I have to be, I'm not, I don't think I'm overly emotionally intelligent. Like I call mm. my friends sometimes, I'm like, why do I feel like this? Like, what does this mean? Oh, you feel this, this means this. And I'm like, oh, okay. The Centrepoint Helpline is for any young people who are worried about homelessness. If you're aged between 16 and 25 and need help or know someone else who does, then call the helpline Monday to Friday on free phone 0808 800 0661 or visit the Centrepoint website for more support. I always ask my good people of Instagram about the subject that I'm going to talk about, which was very interesting and revealing. So I asked if any of them had ever been homeless and 6% had. Don't really know what to do with that statistic. Mm. It's a lot of people, actually, out of my numbers. How old were you? And the majority of them were under 20 when they were homeless. And then there was another big peak at the end of their 30s, which I guess is when people have had kids. Mm. And then lots of people who had been homeless on more than one occasion. So I'd be interested to know the statistics. It's very hard to get statistics on this stuff. What led to it happening? Family home becoming overcrowded, teenage pregnancy, mm. bad relationship with stepdad was a uh, really common one. Family home being repurposed and escaping an abusive relationship. I asked people where they slept. Lots of people said they slept at friends' houses and that was a huge privilege. A few people at a hostel. Someone said on the number 19 bus, which goes from Finsbury Park, I'm looking at you because you might know it, Finsbury yeah. Park to Battersea and they just did that oh, on repeat. Yeah. In temporary accommodation, three people in three metres squared for three and a half years. I slept in my car a lot, which is interesting when you say your car, but right. it's true. It's, it's a, it's a space that is yours and yeah. you can get a, you can mobilise. Yeah. It's like pretty huge. Mm. I try to stay, I was, when I was a kid, I tried to sit on my bus, but they chuck you off at the end of the line. Do they? Not if it's a yeah. night bus. It just goes back yeah, but then it goes up that line, then it then it changes over, doesn't it? But this guy coming back. from Coventry is never going to know about the, the night bus yeah, yeah. routes, were you? I know. Wow. And yeah, overnight trains, a lot of people said that. Mm. But you get your tickets checked a lot, don't you? Yeah, I know. What about the circle line? I never tried that. I didn't actually go around and around. But yeah, the tube used to shut, didn't it? But it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on Fridays and Saturdays. It was. So at least for, yeah, God. I, um, I, but I think I it's be... weird because I think like, the demographic of people that are... Like, for example, using food banks, it's changing, yeah. I think. Like, because basically, the, I was saying, when I was thinking back to when I was home, it's like, I was really lucky because I managed to sign on quite quickly. I remember within about a week. I remember yeah. being very surprised yeah. at how much money I was getting. Before universal yeah. credit. And like, universal credit, you don't get your first paying for like two months. And then yeah. it's like, you got to go to all these meetings if you're one minute late. And then you got to ring up and like the number's like 15p a minute or something. Like go on the internet and loads of people don't have the internet. Yeah, and you, yeah exactly. Silly. And you realise like actually what it is, like is there's like this underclass of people like forming 
who basically it's just don't have a, a mum and dad to fall back on or like you just don't have a support network because if you like how many we probably know we know like so many people like you live in london something happens with your job or you got a zero hours contract and then you're like oh i'm screwed i need to go back to home wherever that is and then but people just don't have that and then you're screwed yeah. and you can't even sign up that is why family is so much the the crux of everything isn't it mm. yeah yeah, I know. And obviously that's just like luck, isn't it? Whether yeah, you've got it that. It really is. But and also I would really promote now like having a found family. So like found family is so like people you pick and choose to be your support network and like really make sure they understand how high you're ranking them. Thank God my relationship with my mum has come back bigger and better than ever mm. because mm. she now, even still, like she's my like be all and end all now even mm. yeah i've got other family members but my yeah, mum is like yeah, i'm saying i'm like super close with my mum yeah now. like super super close but yeah you're lucky if you if you got that you think you're like a group of mates so you're proper like yeah yeah but it's also interesting that you actually haven't moved that far from home like you're still living in the area that you grew up but where mm. you're, you say if you move away yeah hugely yeah like, i don't know yeah. any of my mates who went, went to school with really like actually i don't know i think it's like the same like i said i'm a bit older things change don't they in 28 like people like people I know like kind of getting married and having kids like both are back in Coventry yeah it begins to really yeah so like probably at that age of people like getting so it's different really I think yeah just kind of getting on with it yeah I asked people how did being homeless make them feel and they said lost worthless depressed pointless incapable of being the mother I needed to be sad and cold and concerned about my parents that's coming from someone who's yeah as a family, got made homeless, vulnerable and ashamed, scared, stressed and alone. I asked them where they went for support and help. No one at school or any of my friends knew what was happening, which is similar to what you're saying. We are on the council list and we've been on it for two and a half years and still no end in sight. I went to locals in a pub who were lovely dodgy characters but who ended up becoming friends. I asked them how it had shaped them. I said I care deeply about those from abusive homes i don't trust anything or anyone and have serious anxiety Mm. i'm determined to make my home open and welcoming it shaped my career i am a homeless support worker i have a huge issue with wanting possessions Mm. that's where i'm pointing at you with with your 15 bags um (laughs) i'm still going through it so i'm not sure i have terrible self-confidence issues i'm very determined and driven to keep myself and my children with a roof over their heads. I make sure I'm always there for others. Mm. I said, any questions or comments? And a lot of people kept on asking me how they can help someone who's homeless. So oh. I'll throw that out to you. What would you? What advice would you give? Definitely, it- Centrepoint's got a helpline now. So definitely referring them to the Centrepoint helpline. I think a lot of people, what bugs me when I see like rough sleepers because obviously there's different types of homelessness just to how people ignore them now i understand i'm not really keen on the don't know if this is a bit of a strong word but the scams that come on the trains where there's like a group of people in rotation and they kind of know what they're doing they've probably really got a bit of money but want a bit of extra money and aren't as bad off as they portray to seem um i've watched documentaries on that so that isn't just me coming to my own conclusion but yeah just like people that seem like genuinely homeless and i know that's a bit of a harsh like judgment to make um in such a small amount of time that you just see them passing yeah like literally three seconds but just if you haven't got money just 
like there's nothing wrong with a smile and acknowledging them because they're still human there was this guy once and I feel that this is a point where I really knew I had really matured and grown a lot and I called my mum after and I was so proud of myself but like this guy came up to me black guy his body language was really small and like shut off and he was looking at the ground and he was like I'm sorry I have to embarrass myself and ask anyone for help and I'm sorry I have to disrupt your journey today Um, but I'm struggling and I'm just so hungry and I thought, do you know what, that's different because I haven't heard anyone want food like that. Like, normally they're trying to feed a habit opposed yeah, to, do you know what that. I mean? And I didn't have any... Yeah, I end up giving him, like, two pounds or something. But I was like, I, I just wanted to talk to him. He absolutely smelled because, obviously, he hadn't washed and he looked really physically dirty. But I shook his hand. I literally spoke to him and he was like, he was giving some girl money to pay rent and then she wasn't paying it, so they both got kicked out. She's now been able to go and off and sleep with someone else, but he's a man and it's a bit more harder. So I took his email address and I gave him mine and I was he apparently used to be a leisure centre manager. And I was like... I always get those jobs in my inbox like give me your CV and I'll help you do it up or give me your email and we'll we'll get you another job because I always see those and he was like in tears and then I was like I didn't want to give him a hug because I felt like that was a bit too much for Mm. me personally but like I shook his hand I gave him two pounds I'm sure I had like a brioche in my back gave it to him and it was just like like keep going brother because like we all must just help each other Mm. like we all get down and out he never did email me but I do hope he's well in my heart yeah I do because that was for me I really struggled with vulnerability I feel like I saw some of myself in him like it's really yeah that was hard for him to be having to say those words is as a man as well with all that like toxic masculinity a mask and everything that they parade and in order to protect themselves. So I was like, oh, my heart, man. The first question that everyone asks is like, there's no need for people to be homeless. There's no need for people to be sleeping rough. Uh, like, because you've got all these, you've got all that, you went to Centrepoint. It's like, just before, for argument's sake, let's just say you're right. I mean, the, but the fact that someone is in a mental state where they would rather sleep rough, and that's the thing. Like, people are in that state where they don't want help and they don't want to be part of society. That's why they're there. It's not anything really to do Like, it's the fact it's like a... Uh, now it is different because now I think it is like really hard to get money like and public funds yeah, are being but, cut like it is really hard but at that time it was like no the fact that people are in a mental state where they don't want you're opting out yeah you're opting out of society and like mm. you'd rather like yeah you might as well do drugs like if you've got all this like trauma like mm. all this stuff that you've you're carrying around inside it was like mental health issues it's like yeah why would you like, I it's too hard yeah. yeah and it's like why, why just you might as well become a drug like at least you get something out of it that, that's how they're yeah, thinking and it's like no other options exactly and then obviously you, you get like kind of you obviously get hooked on that and stuff and you fall in with that crowd but but yeah it's like you become a clown so you don't like people don't intend to be druggers but it's like one bit at a time yes, one bit yeah, at a time it's a one bit away. incrementally and then you suddenly you find yourself like how the hell did i get yes. here and stuff center point are really great like they're, they're like amazing for me because also like they weren't really um I found, like, for me, they weren't, like, patronising. Like, so I was like, yeah. I want to be in a band. And they're like, we'll hook you at the Roundhouse. And then they, we, the Roundhouse were amazing. So they got us, like, a rehearsal space. They gave us all guitars. And it was only a pound an hour we had to give them. Yeah. So we stayed there, like, nine hours a day. And that's how we did that band. Like, and it's still that price. Just really? to, yeah, yeah. Yes. Is it, it still that price up. now? But yeah. you've got the double whammy. You're learning a school. And also you've got an outlet for when your head is a mess, right? To, Go and yeah. play some music. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's therapy. And have a go on the computer. Like they had like Macs and yeah. stuff with like really good um, like software, and you can like learn that. And it's they just let you have it. And I remember being like, "Fucking hell, this is amazing!" Like I couldn't believe it. And so that is the thing. Yeah, from speaking to you before this, that the, the amount of 
things you can get from Centre Point. Of course, it's food and somewhere to sleep and... But it is mm. way beyond that, isn't it? Yeah. So like I said, with my time at Sensport, I was only there for about, I mean, like I said, it's like 10 years ago. I wasn't there for that long, but they hooked me up with a place so to stay. So it's a much bigger still, journey beyond yeah. where, where to rest your head. Um, I suppose now it's obviously different because they can't just like give you another flat because you're not going to be able to find it that quickly. But it was like within a week, a week and a half, I oh, think. Oh, wow. That's why I look back and I'm like, I'm so lucky now because now it's nothing. I, I think know. it was maybe like three weeks. Right. But then when I actually got a job, because I started working at Warner um, on a major film, which was really cool. And I was getting the data show, like I was paying my full rent. I was like really chuffed about it, saving. And then when obviously that contract finished because films end, I had to switch back onto like welfare benefits. And then they was doing the universal credit switch over. So then I had to stop my job seekers and go into universal credit, which means then I had to wait for nine weeks. And I literally went there crying like... I have Nine no weeks. food. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have nothing. Yeah. And I was like, well, sorry, well, you could get an advance. Okay, well, when I get my money and have to pay back my advance, I'm not going to be able to afford food. Mm. It's, yeah. it's a, yeah, death circle is what mm. universal credit yeah. is. Yeah, if you ever, like, late to a meeting or whatever, you like, they'll get, get cancelled. Like Ridiculous. It's not human, is it? Yeah, not. The other thing when I was asking people on Instagram is overwhelmingly I had stories from people making, you know, flagging the fact that no one expects to become homeless. You know, Mm. you might at one point in your life think you're so safely away away from that. But Mm. things, life can change. Life can throw you curveballs, can't it? Like one and a half paycheck away from being homeless, everyone. Yeah, exactly. Living in London. Someone's message about their dad who he'd had, you know, his wife had left him and then he'd had a breakdown and he'd become suicidal and suddenly you know he's he's living on their sofa or a teacher in a school in east london and saying again that you wouldn't believe the number of kids that are affected by this yeah and it's you're right i think like also now i think the problems are like even like gambling and stuff like people have those apps and like get drunk and they just they bet like all their money away and they're like now you're homeless it's like 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 crazy stories and I think the uncomfortable thing about all of this is it's so linked to so many other subjects in fact that I've covered on this podcast but health mental health universal credit divorce I've done an episode about estrangement this is just homelessness feels like a real visual representation of where things are going wrong in so many other issues in conclusion, although we've, we've covered quite a lot of stuff, what advice would you give yourself at, at the brink of when things were really difficult for you? And what do you think you've learnt from it that you take forward into day-to-day life? I like this one. Now, these two quotes now that I'm, like, really passing on. Um, because last June I founded a community interest company, oh, yeah. She Oath which is about instilling authentic confidence into vulnerable young women and what I'm saying to a lot of those women that approach us and are having a hard time is it can't rain forever Mm. and you've passed all of your bad days like you've gotten over all Mm. of your bad days so that's just a testament to strength so why stop now Mm. and if you're in hell why would you want to stay there Keep, keep going. going do you know what I mean I so um, those kind of three things I've always been had quite a lot of mental resilience and been quite mentally strong but even for the best of us like the strongest of us mental health doesn't discriminate yeah. I think that's the only thing that's the problem when mental health kind of lies up badly with anxiety and when it does come down badly you yeah, can't Im- imagine a time of ever feeling normal again yeah, yeah. but you just have to know that you will you always do yeah eventually exactly. 
So, yeah, and I think well, with the company I founded, like, I feel like that's been my biggest lesson. Mm. A lot of my peers were, like, making really bad decisions, but, like, we discussed they may have not had mums at home that was instilling that like I say I've been groomed with goodness like <laughs> my mum was like instilling those gems in I me I hope my kids say this about into me my, one day yeah into my foundation yeah. so where I was able to extract and use the things in my lowest of low times I had to be careful that I didn't become ego driven and that is the that kind of premise of why I founded the company as well and then we do like one-off workshops that are just open to everyone all types of women regardless if you're a vulnerable young woman or just want to come and find something to do got a very old head on young shoulders (laughs) haven't you I'm like how how are you doing this (laughs) groomed with goodness Yeah. yeah same questions to you I think when I was like especially when I was that age I think I was just like lost really and I think similar to what you were saying I think people need to like kind of understand what their why is like so when people do goals they're like what do i do how am i going to do it like all that but it's like oh well why are you doing it like what do you actually want and i think once you find out like what you actually want and i knew then i realized like oh like as soon as we said at the start of the show it's like what do you want out of life and i think i just want to create a body of work that i'm really proud of Mm -hmm. and then that kind of gives you that bit of like glimmer of hope and you're like i want to do that and then you realize you need to do that and then you realize that you actually can do that well, that's why I think stuff like center point is really important. I think that's why like mentorships are really, really important. Mm. Charities, like arts charities, especially, they should do like a much better job of what they intend to sort of do. And kind of that is stealing that thing of like people going, "Oh, you, you, know, you are good. You, like mm. you can do it." So before we finish up, where can people find you? And is there anything you want to shout about? I have. Well, I'll be doing loads of workshops. Well, she oath. S-H-E-O-A-T-H on Instagram and Twitter. She Oath UK, I think we are on Twitter. Yeah, it also has to be slightly different. Just go on Instagram, type in She Oath and follow us. But yeah, definitely authentic confidence because I feel like it's scientifically been proving that confidence improves everyone's quality of life Mm. across the board. And you're Brooke Morgan... Brooke Morgan LDN. LDN. You can't leave London. <laughs> can't leave London. <laughs> it's only handle. <laughs> so what I'm doing, I'm doing uh so I'm doing my second Edinburgh show with Sophie Theatre again. So that'll be in Edinburgh this yeah, this this next year. Wow, in August. Yeah, um, that's gonna come round now, isn't it? Yeah, and I'll be doing like a week and then we're going to Mumbai in India with Sophie Theatre wow, through the show. There. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and then like LA New York, hopefully as well. Do you yeah. need any assistance on that? Yeah, you know? you, we'll, do, we'll get on and board, man. <laughs> and who are you on Instagram? Oh, it's Kai Samaras, K-A-I-S-A-M-R-A. And then I always ask my audience to complete the sentence, I'll be honest, I. So some of their answers are, I'll be honest, I am so happy to have just taken my bra off. <laughs> Hate the theatre, any type of theatre, but particularly musical theatre. <laughs> need to cut my pubes. <laughs> Really miss eating dairy. I'm vegan. It made me chuckle. Wish I was able to fall in love. Don't enjoy sex and don't like celery. Nobody loves celery though, do they? Yeah, what a thing to say. Like, celery's just like, okay at best, isn't it? I mean, who I, enjoys I, celery? I would, I would not be bothered if I had never ate celery again. Celery is inedible at best. Yeah, <laughs> but there's all those trends for celery juice, aren't no, there? No, no, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I'm not into it. I'll do mine and then I'll ask yeah. you mine. Okay. I'll be honest, I, my nearly two-year-old daughter was watching Lion King this morning and pointed at Pumbaa and said, look, it's, <laughs> look, it's mummy. 
<laughs> and I just didn't know what to do with that information. I was like, yeah. Anyhow, I haven't got over it. Of all the characters, no one wants to be blimmin' Pumba, do they? Yeah, I someone said I look like Scar Pumba. the other day. I was like... That's... It's the little hair that comes into a Scar's V. Scar's good. Really? I mean, it's not good because it's bad, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but... talk about... How, why is he darker? Than the rest of you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. Like, I absolutely love Lanky. Like uh, Mufasa's mum's got a lot of questions to ask about <laughs> there. Don't do this about Lanky. <laughs> no, I love Lanky. What are your? I'll be honest. I I'll be honest. I need to finish the treatment for my first directed piece I'll be doing this year because I've been sitting on it, slacking it off. Yeah, give yourself a deadline. To... I'm going to hound you now. Yeah, um, you'll be honest. You. I'll be honest, I need a new haircut. <laughs> you said this at the beginning. I know. I've had the same haircut since like. Go on, day do it then. Birth. I mean, I don't feel that strongly that you do, but why don't you? Because I feel like it could know. be a new it's chapter. Like a Get Cane Rose. Yeah, shall I? Oh, that's good. definitely good. I've got you making me do the accent, <laughs> do the cornrows. <laughs> you may sort of go to Jamaica, they'll sort you out. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Clemmie Telford, and these wonderful two have been Kai and Britton Morgan, and this has been Honestly. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your mates all about it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Honestly. If you found this week's episode interesting, which I hope you did, I'd love to know your thoughts. So please do give me a rating or review and even better, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get each week's episode delivered straight to you. 